This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hey there, Knicks fans. <clears throat> How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for a draft day edition. Even though recording this, uh, I, it's wow, look at that. It's about, it's exactly 24 hours before uh, Wemby is going to get taken by the Spurs. Recording this at 8.11 p.m. So On Tuesday. No, tomorrow's a draft. You're right. It's Wednesday. Wow. John, never plan another wedding. You'll forget what day it is. <laughs> Good call. It's draft day. Happy draft day, everybody. Vontae uh, Mack, no matter what. I, I didn't even introduce you. Andrew Claudio uh, joining me for the second pod in a row. Man, sorry, everybody. Brain fart there. <laughs> I legit thought it was Tuesday when we were recording this. My bad. Um, it, it's funny because for me, for reasons I cannot explain at all, it feels like today is Thursday and that tomorrow is Friday. I think because like... We, uh, you know, it's like in my mind building up to the draft. So, like, the draft is like a, a, po- a point of finality, and like Friday is the end of the week. And in my mind, those that that all makes sense. It's funny. I made an old joke to you earlier too in our chat because you're 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 in your forties, and I'm gonna be the my mid thirties. Well, I'm in my mid thirties, but I'm hitting the midway point in a couple months, and I'm finding more and more the stereotypical like oh you forgot that because you're old your knees creak because you're old jokes are becoming more and more in fact my fiance's sister made the joke that because we're older than jurassic park that officially makes us jurassic in our own way so (laughs) yeah um older than jurassic park yeah movie came out in 93 we came i came out in 88 so Oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't ever think because you're. I mean, so you've always been older than Jurassic Park, right? But to the, the to the Gen Zer that is like, oh, your your birthday starts with a your birth year starts with a nineteen. You're old. I I was thinking about this when um they uh I promise this will be a very short detour off track, and then we'll get back to to Knicks and basketball stuff because there's a lot of stuff to talk about, but um. Uh, on Big Picture Pod that we both enjoy from the Ringer Podcast Network. Uh, they were talking a few episodes ago about uh, stuff to watch at the moment. And I think Fantasy mentioned the Arnold documentary, which I am uh, two and a... about two and a half... I think I'm... I, no, I have two parts into it. I have one, one part left. And uh, asked his producer, who's much younger, what like Arnold like means to him. And he was like, yeah, he's like a, a meme to me and Arnold was like the most important person of, of in my universe for like the first whatever 15 years of my life so that 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 was a moment where I was like huh yeah I, I'm old to make this sports related that's how you and I are with Michael Jordan to today's generation. I, yeah how we revere him for what 
like from Michael Jordan. That's why Air, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie that came out, while it's goofy in parts, you under we you and I both understand the reverence to that man, that shoe, that brand, and then to someone who's my brother's age that the guy from the crying meme gets a movie about his shoes. Like, what are you talking about? Um, just so yeah, funny. it's it's generational. And to to fully come full circle, talk about Victor Wembanyama, born in two thousand four. John, I know the same year as uh, that the Red Sox won the World Series. That uh, Return of the King came out. Um, How about this? I got one. But uh, talk about full circle or whatever. Born after David Robinson retired from the San Oh, wow. That is nuts, actually. Yeah. Mm. Um, speaking of Michael Jordan, uh, even though he was drafted over uh, or almost 40 years ago, um, arguably the most relevant figure in this draft as well, uh, aside from, from Wemby, of course. Uh, so just for anybody who like only doesn't really listen to to general NBA pods or, or follow general NBA um, news. Guess we'll get everybody updated. So as of now, uh, ahead of the draft, we're going to get to the OB stuff in a second, I promise. Um, it seems like there's not going to be nearly as much action as we may have thought in the weeks and even days uh, leading up to this thing because uh, after Wemby obviously goes at number two, it seems as if the Charlotte Hornets are pretty much decided that they're going to take uh, Brandon Miller at number two, which creates um, an interesting domino effect uh, because Scoot Henderson, who was widely regarded to be the second best prospect in the draft for a long time until relatively recently, I guess, um, is going to be there at number three for Portland, which on one hand, you figure, all right, um, he's the sort of guy, you know, as many have said, could go number one in a lot of other drafts. Could still be there at three, incentivize the right team to jump up and get him. But equally important in this situation, as it seems, is it seems to incentivize, have incentivized Portland, or at least these, this is the read of the room at the moment. Again, 8 17 p.m. Wednesday night. Um, incentivize Portland to hold on to that pick unless they are. I mean, there's been different terminologies bandied about for, 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 but basically, like, unless they're blown away by an offer, they can't refuse, um, which creates a, a separate issue with Dame and does Dame, you know, ask out at some point based on that. I, I don't know. I've been consuming a lot of content today, and I'm not sure that that's going to be the case, at least maybe not immediately. Maybe something develops, but. And then um, it seems like Houston's going to make their pick because the whole Harden thing kind of went up in smoke. So they're going to select uh, one of the Thompson twins. I forget which one. And then the draft kind of starts at five and and onwards we go. As of now, the Knicks still do not have a pick on that draft. Um, that may change. Uh, perhaps, and now we will get to the first topic of the day, um, because a certain someone will be going off the roster to try to obtain a pick uh, via trade. And that's someone, maybe Obi Toppin. Um, hmm. Andrew, you texted me earlier. You're like, we should do a pod with this OB stuff. And you had to know you were poking the bear. I know. With that. And look, I let me, can I just say two things out front? Sure. One, again, for anybody who may have missed it, phenomenal job of reporting from Fred Katz. Um, and just a little bit of like 
Inside Baseball, the article that Fred dropped today in which he detailed a locker room um, kerfuffle. My word, not his. Uh, between Obi Toppin and and uh, I guess what started is between Obi and Tibbs, but grew to you know involve some teammates, kind of holding Obi back, and he got into it with Rick Brunson as well. Um, after Game Four against Miami, a game in which the Knicks lost to go down three one in that series, and a game um, notably for our purposes today, in which Obi Toppin did not play in the second half. Obi was very upset. So Fred. Told, when did Fred tell us that he had that? It was the day after Game Four, right? I should also add, I did text Fred beforehand to let to make sure it was okay. We could say we knew about this. Oh, okay. Like we knew this was coming for a while now, and not only um, that, he we we thought this at the time he told us we thought the story was dropping like before Game Five. This is to the testament of Fred confirming and reconfirming yes. and being and re-reconfirming a, being a good reporter to make sure he wasn't just single sourcing a story yeah. um we knew this was coming for a while and when when it dropped today and everybody had the oh my god shock yeah. of the reaction of it all we've had a month to process it so which it makes it, it it does make our reaction a little different than others it, it does and i want to acknowledge that up front Although at the same time, like I remember my reaction when Fred originally told us and it was like, oh, okay, well, that's that's not ideal. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we kind of talked about it a little bit and we were like, yeah, probably not appropriate for. Well, I'll I'll get into what we said in a bit. So phenomenal job of reporting from Fred. And it's absolutely one thousand percent newsworthy. Like if you have that as a reporter, you absolutely should can and should put it out there because it's important. It's relevant. It's relevant for context, for where the team was, for where the team is, for where the team will be moving forward. So I just want to get that out of the way first and foremost. Second of all, I I do genuinely feel bad for for Obi Toppin. I don't even is there a Nick fan out there who like doesn't feel a little at least a little bad for Obi? I can't think of a Nick fan that even if you're not like pro Obi, you're in a my dad's hive or not. You're yeah. You you understand the situation and look at what he got drafted into and then what became a backup role um, to an All NBA player that for a year wasn't playing like an All NBA player and still didn't change his role. And you have to empathize with what Obi has has been drafted into these first three years, especially. And this has to do with I think the reaction when a story like this comes out because Obi I mean look you never know a guy unless you really know him and sometimes when you actually know the the, the player or the person you still don't really really know them I mean it looks could be deceiving but like man if there's a guy on the Knicks that I would bet everything on just being a genuinely good dude it's it's Obi Toppin he exudes this joy and like you know zest for life and whatnot so it's hard not to, at the very least, sympathize or, as you said, like empathize with him. Um, and like, regardless of what your stance on what happened in the locker room may be, I, at the very least, I think you can understand where he was coming from. You can, everybody's been frustrated with their role at a job or in a in a relationship or whatever at some point in time. So it's like it's easy to put yourself in those shoes and be like, yeah, he he. He was frustrated and he let that frustration out perhaps at the wrong time. So I want to say that I want to say those two things up front. And then I'm going to say my take on this and I'm going to throw it back to you and we could go wherever you want with it. 
<laughs> Obi Toppin is a a really nice player. And there's a chance that he may become something more than a nice player. Um, in the same article that Fred Katz wrote, he, he did the same thing we he did with quickly last week, which was talk to executives on the league about possible extension figures. I believe there was somebody that he spoke to that said they would give Obi Toppin a four-year extension for $60 million. It's a lot of money, especially in the new CBA. Pay a guy $15 million a year guaranteed for four years. It's a good amount of money. That's where it topped out. I believe there was also some executives that he spoke to that would not pay him even $10 million a year. But I think it was five executives that he spoke to that wouldn't pay him $10 million a year. Most executives he spoke to, and he spoke to 15 different executives for the story, said they would give Obi Toppin something around mid-level exception money. It's a nice player. And he he's a nice player who on this team this year was a ninth man. After Josh Hart got there, you could debate about what he was, you know, maybe at other points during the year. But unequivocally, by the time we got to the playoffs, after the starting five, he was after Emmanuel Quickly, he was after Josh Hart. And I would argue he was after Isaiah Hartenstein because Isaiah Hartenstein closed games sometimes. So Obi Toppin did not. So ninth man in the rotation. And I guess I've just gotten to the point where, like, and I never thought. Anything could beat Frank Nilakina and the discourse and where that got and how just utterly exhausting it got to the point where by the end of Frank's tenure here, I didn't even I could not I wasn't incapable of analyzing it from a like, well, should they be giving him more minutes or should they not be giving him more minutes? And should that this and that? I just couldn't even do it anymore because it was just so I was drained of all emotion where that player and that situation was concerned. I never thought that could happen again. And now here we are, and it's less time than Frank because it's only been three years with Obi. Frank was here for, he was there for four years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I've reached that point, and it's even more so, which is why, like, more than anything that I want to happen in the next 24 hours, and it, it a little bit of it is because I, again, yeah, feel bad for Obi, the whole thing. And like a little bit of it has to do with basketball. But, the thing I want to happen is just for the Knicks to trade Obi Toppin. And the by far the biggest reason for that is just because I do not want to spend another solitary second talking about this player in the context of the I I I was scrolling Twitter. I'll, I'll last uh-huh. thing I'll say. And I I, I was because I scroll Twitter a lot during this week because I want to see is like there's something that maybe NBA Central didn't catch, or maybe Keith Smith, great follow this time of year, didn't retweet, or Evan Sittery didn't didn't retweet, you know, seeing Whatever. So whatever I could gleam about what's going on either. And I see at the top, there's a Twitter spaces. So I, what, the, oh, what the hell was the name of it? Something to the effect of like the the OB leaked audio. That was the subject of the Twitter. Because there's, a, of course, there was a leaked audio from of this alleged, uh, not alleged, of this locker room uh, kerfuffle in which OB is, is apparently saying some things. Um, and there were like over 100 people in, in there that I, that I saw. And I thought to myself, you could give me a $200 gift certificate to a restaurant of my choice in exchange for me listening attentively to that discourse for an hour. And I think I turn it down. I would think I would rather have my hour to just do what I want with. And you can keep the gift certificate. Cause I, ju- it's like, sorry, Dolores. I'll spring for the dinner. Maybe okay, not $200, but we'll, you know, a nice burrito. <laughs> uh-huh. Like I just, I could, I, it's just so, I mean, we're talking about a ninth man here. 
And I, again, I know it's possible he could go to another team and blow up, but like, that's where I go back to the actual, like, he, he was benched in the second half of game four against Miami. Mm-hmm. Up until that point in the playoffs, as a player that was shooting 43% from the field, 30% from three, which I know the whole team couldn't shoot, but like, not like he was shooting it either. And was playing defense that, to put it politely, was, you know, target worthy uh, for the other team. Like, that's the player we're talking about here. Forget about what he could be, the whole thing. This is a playoff game, must win playoff game, which of course they didn't win, which I guess was part of the issue. But like, and again, everybody in the NBA, all these executives out there, they're all privy to the same tape and the same data, the same advanced metrics. We all know what the advanced metrics say. I know. Obi Toppin, you know, he'd be a five-time All-Star by now if he was in any other city. I get it. Uh, that's not what they say. I'm being I don't even think facetious, but... No, I, but like... Yeah. And everybody has access to all of that. Guys who do this for a living have access to all of that. And yet, they think, okay, this is a player who's worth roughly the mid-level exception. Like, that's the player we're talking about. It's a nice player. But the amount of energy that has, and again, I, I understand it's complicated, and I understand it has to do with the fact that the two guys who are responsible for Obi not getting more minutes are perhaps the two most disliked figures associated with this team in Tom Thibodeau and Julius Randle. And we could get into a whole discussion about the fact that, like, huh, two time All Star coach took the teams to the playoffs twice in three years. Interesting that for a franchise that's been a clown show for 20 years, that those are the two. Um, you know, most dislike players, but I, I digress. So I just like, I'm tired of it. I'm done. Um, it's over. He's, I fully expect him to be traded in the next 24 hours. And I'm sure there will be a lot of discourse and then we could all move on. And there will be nobody that will be happier. Perhaps besides Obi topping himself than me to have finally moved on from this. That's it. That's what I wanted to say. I will turn it over to you. I was going to say, do you think you want Obi Toppin to get off the Knicks. You know who's number one, apparently, after some audio leaked that I'm going to assume is from his camp uh, of the interaction. I'm pretty sure Obi Toppin wants Obi Toppin to not play for the Knicks anymore. So and we should say Steve Popper, by the way, report uh, and Steph Bondi reported on this this week. Both of them basically were like, every all parties are in agreement that it you know it's time. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. So I think I narrowed it down to four things that are both about this and in a response to what you said. First of all, I will join you in saying that like two-time all-star and all-NBA player and Julius Randle, and then guy who was coach of the year three years ago, and then got the Knicks to the second round of the playoffs for the first time since 2013, Tom Thibodeau. Um, Two things can be true. 
that both of them get entirely too much criticism than they deserve. And that Obi Toppin has not been handled correctly in the first couple of years, whether it be that Obi should get more minutes, that Obi should be given a longer leash to work through his, his mistakes and play through his mistakes. Both of those things can be true that Tibbs has done a phenomenal job since being here. And he's just kind of not known what to do with Obi as far as an offensive weapon, whether he goes someplace else and figures it out there or time was just going to have to tell like it did with Frank Nilakina, like you said. The second thing, and it was kind of my reaction when this happened, which is I, I was trying to get Benji on, but he's, he's traveling. So we'll have to get his opinion in the future. But just from my experience in the locker room, this happens. Like this happens that, all the time. Yes. Every single book I've read by a former player or a former coach is like, has a chapter on this interaction after this playoff game game where I got MF to death for a decision I made or a shot I missed or a rotation I I didn't do. And this is usually in books about champions, you know, like conflict doesn't have to create like enough of a, a disconnect that you aren't able to grow together and build through it. And Obi got a much longer leash, especially after the first quarter that he had, uh, Julius had in game five, like that first eight minutes saved the next season for an extra game because of Obi coming in and making the impact that 18 2 run with a Knicks erase absolutely point deficit. Obi's part of that. So like, just I, like, by the way, just like he was part of some other successful, he, I read the numbers before he wasn't all bad in these playoffs. I'm not sure that they win game. What was it? Game. Um, the game that Julius got injured and he started game, the, the Oh, I'm, that's not even the one. The game five I'm talking. You're, you're talking yeah, about game, game five game, against Cleveland. I know. I know. I know you're talking about game five against Miami. I just wanted to say that there were other instances during the playoffs where Obi was, was good. And that's the one that I was I was thinking. Go a game back further in the Cleveland series. Julius did not play the fourth quarter because Obi Toppin and how yeah. he played in that fourth quarter at the Garden. He yeah. has shown a longer leash and in a vacuum of a moment, Obi and his frustrations that took three years to get to they boiled over. It was probably a moment. He had teammates to be like, you're wrong. And that's the part of the audio I was listening for because I knew because we were told it was coming that that, yeah. aud- that part of the audio was there, which, good Lord, Julius Randle, Peacemaker, is a hilarious outcome of this entire situation. Hey, listen, again, shout out Steve Popper came on this pod and talked about how leader, a, a leader in the locker the room. That's, no, that's the we, craziest we, part about all this. We laugh, but there's uh, whatever. There may be some truth to anyway. But that's that's the other another part of this, which is the third thing that this this front office has shown that they don't care what what's going on in Twitter spaces. They don't care what's going on on the podcasts or on the the very select portion of the pan, fan base that spends their days arguing on Twitter. They have a specific reason for why they do things. And it's it's why the Obi of it all um, him being CAA him being drafted here, I thought to replace Julius Randle, where you've pointed to the so chance. Did they. So as a result, Julius turning into an all-NBA player that first year and them deciding to lead in to the we here season and not find a new home for Julius as they rehabbed his value, changed the trajectory. And for whatever the rest of the league might think about Julius, uh, excuse me, about Obi, um, I personally think that there is more there. I have no idea how much more there, there might be. be. We might find out next season that he was just meant to be a backup or a low level, like a, a decent starter on a good team. Um, 
I don't know that we can make any conclusions, which is why the last thing is the, to compare this to Frank is so fascinating. Like Frank's big thing. It, it was twofold for me, like couldn't stay on the court. And when you played him, there was clearly an impact defensively, but such a negative impact offensively yep. that you never really got to see like what he could do. Um, if put on a team where he needed to contribute and like when he got here, when, when Tibbs got here, you thought, all right, if anyone's going to find a way to use, use him, it's Tibbs and Tibbs in some, in some 11th man roles found ways to use him, but it was mostly as a three point shooter because he wasn't a point guard. He wasn't a, a, a guy that can distribute to a ball handle. He turned him into a, a three and D guy. And at, in moments he was fine, but you know, he, he turned to Reggie Bullock. He turned to Alec Burks. He turned to other more dependable pieces. And then he, when he got to Dallas, it was the exact same thing. And everybody took a victory lap when he had six points in two playoff games because they were winning by 30 points in both of them. And it was like, oh, look, we're justified. The Frank DeLaquina minutes. That, and, and it's why the, the Frank to OB situation is comparable, though. Because I'm not sure that it'll turn out the same way for Frank as it did for Obi, where Frank was getting DMPs all through last year when literally well, anything could have helped could we, the Dallas situation. But let me finish. Yeah. And then with Obi, on the other hand, I actually do think that he could start for a couple teams. I don't know how good those teams will be, but it's the, the defensive end that we have concerns. But I do think there's an untapped offensive ceiling that is impactful and would be good. And I, I just think it's fascinating that the same argument is curious that is, is like with Frank, it was, well, he was never given a leash. He was mishandled by the Knicks and we won't, we won't know until he gets to his next team. And that's kind of the same argument with Obi that we don't know if it's that the Knicks didn't know how to handle him. He was misused while he was here. And then his next team will prove whether they can do something different with Obi Toppin. Yeah. All of that. Great stuff couple things. One, uh, Fred, unfortunately, Fred Katz was unfortunately not, uh, not, I won't say unfortunately, because Vorkanoff was covering the next at the time and he was excellent. But my point is, unfortunately, we did not have an extension article in which someone talked to 15 executives around the league to spitball what Frank Nilakina should get as a restricted free agent um, or as an, or on his rookie extension. If we had had that, I'm pretty sure I could guess what the numbers would have been and they would have been a hell of a lot less than the numbers that were bandied about for Obi Toppin because I think Obi Toppin is certainly held in higher esteem around the league now than Frank Nilakina was after his third year and justifiably so because Obi has done enough to make himself I again I I I you know mid-level exception money is is not nothing you know, it's not nothing, and you're not handing that out to just anyone. There are certainly, again, because these are the people that Fred spoke to, people around the league who look at Obi Toppin as a player of curiosity about what you just said. What could he be on a different team? The thing that I struggle with is, okay, if you're a player in the league today who is a bigger guy, he's, he's a four or a five, one or the other. I mean, ostensibly a four. Can he play the five? How much can he play the five? Those are interesting questions, but he does not protect the rim. The shooting is, let's say, inconsistent. The defense is, I, I think, inconsistent. Also, also inconsistent, yes. Uh, to put it kindly. So right there, defensively, you know, the, there's no not really rim protection. 
The shooting's inconsistent. The general defense, perimeter defense, off-ball defense, inconsistent. Those three things alone are means that like you are probably topping out at mid-level money, maybe a little bit more, if you find a very, very unique situation. What's interesting about Obi and why I think the, the discourse has been so interesting is like, what is the biggest difference between Obi Toppin and Julius Randle? Julius Randle commands attention when he has the ball. Obi Toppin does not. And the reason for that is because if you give Julius Randle the ball, he could do something with it that is going to punish teams. Obi can punish teams also, but he does it in a way in which it is more within the system, in which he's playing off of other teammates, whether it's in transition or whether it's, you know, playing five out or whatever the case may be. And how do I put this? I think Knicks, any fans, not just Knicks fans, any fans of any NBA team have a, the easiest relationship between fan and player to get frayed is that of between fans and a player who commands the ball and does his work with the ball and derives most of his value with the ball, because if that player is like anything less than perfect, they're going to catch a lot of shit. If they don't play defense all the time, they're going to catch a lot of shit. If they're, if they're inconsistent shooting, they're going to catch a lot of shit. And it's not just Julius Randle. It's players around the league who are this sort of player. And then when you, the flip side of that coin is Obi Toppin, where again, the most valuable NBA, and there's nobody disputing the most value NBA skill is, can you, create something with the ball? Can you generate offense out of nothing? He doesn't have that skill. Julius Randle does. But in the absence of that skill, there is this appeal because it is like, well, if Obi's going to do well, he's going to do well as a cog. He's not going to have to, the, the offense doesn't have to bend to stop and, 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 you know, wait for him to do his jab steps and this and that. And like, there's a value conversation here, but there's also an aesthetics conversation here. And Obi Toppin's delightful to watch play basketball because there's nothing, there's no jab steps. There's no, there's no turnover or not many, not as many turnovers as Julius. But like, I, I think those two things, like those two signals get, get crossed and it's created this world where there are a lot of people out there who genuinely believe that the Knicks would just be a better basketball top team if they shipped Julius Randle to the moon and gave Obi Toppin all of his minutes, which like, I'm not sure I see that basis in reality, but who knows? I mean, I, God knows I've been wrong about things before. And that's what I think it, it is most interesting to me when you're talking about Obi Toppin, the player. There's, there's a domino effect to the, cause you're not, I don't think anyone is saying that if you gave OB Julius's usage that you'd get the yes, same production. It's literally just you'd then find other ways to impact the game with that amount of usage. So like some of the usage goes to RJ. I was about to say more. It bleeds into the RJ. It's why it bleeds, yeah. It, but it also bleeds into like, okay, more ball movement. So then quickly get some of that usage. Sure. And then Josh Hart, well, no, uh, Quentin Grimes gets some of that usage. And multiple people are allowed to eat more because the this usage that's dominated by, like you said, someone that's not as aesthetically pleasing when he's missing is Julius Randle, um, doesn't exist anymore. And like <laughs> taking out the game that Julius got hurt. The last three Knicks playoff wins 
were largely dominated by fourth quarters that didn't feature Julius Randle. So the fourth quarter against Cleveland, right? Doesn't play. And it's OB hitting a big three, uh, yep. getting a, getting a big uh, offensive rebound. Like OB had a bunch of rebounds in that fourth quarter, which was my biggest takeaway that it wasn't that like the LA fitness week where he was scoring 30 points a game. Like that wasn't ever going to be a reality. It's just, I, I, XJ and I go back no, yeah, all the like time. It, yeah. Like he likes to validate like, Oh, see, OB's great. Which I do think you and XJ are going to need to talk sometime this off season about uh, like, oh, yeah. I'm on a pod. Like we got to set that up because he's like, very pro OB and I I want to set that up but like we we were joking around that he's like see like what OB could have been all year is like dude Kevin Knox just had 35 like Theo Pinson just had a triple double this is not real <laughs> but what is real is OB getting his confidence back and then you go to game four against Cleveland and he's impacting the game by his rebounding and it's like this is this is what I think Tibbs has been waiting for then you go to the fourth quarter against Miami in game two Julius Randle did not take a shot attempt he was a connector that entire fourth quarter then you go to the fourth quarter against the Heat in game five when the Knicks held on for dear life Julius took one shot attempt and it was the offensive rebound off of a free throw miss to seal the game at the end like that's what people see Obi could potentially be. It's well, impacting the game without shooting the ball. And hold on, though. One pushback to what you said about Julius's commanding attention on the ball. You're right. Obi doesn't do that. He does command attention off the ball. There, you will see when you watch the film, the rotations that teams do. They're like, oh, watch for Obi. We have to watch for the lob. And it leads to other passing lanes being open. Guys have to watch for him leaking out. Sure. Which I think led to him being benched, to be honest. Well, because, because he was he, leaking out so much, Haywood Highsmith would have wide open layups. And that would and be there's other, an offensive rebound. And there's other stuff, too, which is like, look... Julius is not God knows. Julius is not perfect. Julius leaves a lot to be desired. But the reason that Julius is in was in in all those situations, even though the offense was clearly not running through him, is he is capable of doing a lot of the little things that Obi Toppin, frankly, just does not do nearly as well as Obi. Like if you need someone to to box out his man, again. Uh, God knows there's lots of footage out there of Julius failing to box as man, but like in a fourth quarter of a tight game, like give Julius his credit. He like, he is able to lock in. And when he locks in, he's, he's good at that stuff. You know, even defensively, like he's just like, if you need a big defensive possession, you're going to trust Julius. I mean, talk, talk about choosing between two not ideal options, but you're going to trust Julius Randall probably more than Obi or Obi at least I would. Yeah. And I think, Look, the the larger the larger conversation here, John, that is why having this conversation with you is fascinating. Um, the Rorschach test of how you receive, not you specifically, but how anyone, any Nick fan is going to receive the Fred article, the leaked audio, this entire incident happening, right? I don't think anybody's changing their mind. Like... If you were already out on Tibbs, oh, this is this is a yeah. confirmation. See, he's holding Obi back. Obi even hates there him, you go. and he's justified. If you kind of thought Obi needed to be benched in the second half, and the, the the really good coach was justified in doing it, like this is no, no, he's it's a it's a young player throwing a tantrum, and the the coach deserves to, to, you know, like whatever you already thought is not going to be changed by this this information. And I think that's just how like we saw this. 
honestly, um, <laughs> I will say, like, it's welcome to 2023. <laughs> well, John, I think this has always been the case. It's just now information yeah, no, goes quicker. Yeah. You know, I don't Absolutely. think anybody, like, if you want to take this into like real life stuff, I don't think any Republicans had their mind changes. I, that's exactly where my 80s. That's exactly you know? where my mind went to. Well, like, so now it's even more prevalent. Like, if you're uh, that's you what I was to say. your side, you have gone to. Now we're talking about like. Obi Toppin versus Tibbs, like who cares? But like, if you go to the '80s, like, I don't think anybody had their minds changed, and suddenly they were like, "Oh, that's a brand new information." I'm still voting for Ronald Reagan, and like, America bore that out over a, a two election cycle. So much so that his vice president got elected too. You then go to today, where the sides become even more polarized in everything that a brand new piece of information is not going to make you rethink any side. It's just going to confirm what you kind of already thought in the first place. So look, I hope at this point, I, I have nothing against Obi. I think the other, and this might, this was the fifth thing I, I had forgotten earlier. The other thing about Obi, and you did kind of speak to it with aesthetics. Julius is good. Is so much like, no, no, no. Yes. On his shot, difficult shot making at times. Obi's Sometimes. good lights up the garden like him yeah, throwing yeah. down uh, on so many occasions is like highlight real stuff. And Chris said this last year, like uh, RJ, in order to get the garden to chant his name, like has to make a couple shots, get a good defensive stop, get to the line and they're chanting RJ Barrett. Julius has to go for 24 and a quarter and score 57 points. And they're chanting our MVP at the line. Obi dunks once and on the next time out, they're chanting Obi. So, you know, that's a perfect transition to the last point that I wanted to make. And you brought it up before in terms of like, who's the, well, you brought up the front office before. And I'm going to say that obviously I'm, I don't blame Tibbs because I, I think Tibbs walks on water. I'm not blaming Obi. I'm not blaming Julius Rand. I'm not blaming any of those people. If there's someone to blame for the situation, it's the front office. And I, it should have been clear as day, you know, midway through that first season, like, oh, okay, whatever our plan was should probably go out the window. And I look, I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, and I'm sure other people have reported it officially, but like, Wes made the OB pick. Uh, Bondi had that in his article this week saying that Wes has been a supporter of Obi and I've I, I mean I, I've heard that perhaps some some other folks were overruled and maybe who they want to take in that draft because Wes wanted Obi Toppin um, and I damn well am sure as I could be that the reason that Obi Toppin is still on this team is because of Worldwide Wes and because he cannot let go of this notion that like Obi Toppin is you know from Brooklyn, the whole thing is destined to succeed here. And I wonder, you know, hearing you say that, I wonder how much of that stance has been influenced by the fact that the garden lights up when he does, you know, what he does. And the reality of the situation is we've gotten to this point now where because the front office did not handle their business in a in a more mature fashion. You know, before this, um, they're going to be left settling for. You know, I don't know what they could get for Obi right now. I'm assuming they're. I, I think they will probably be able to get a, a, a late first for him. Um, I hope. You know, 
But if I mean, if they if if they don't get a pick in this draft for him, like what are they going to just go into the season with him as a restricted impending restricted free agent? I mean, they could. Sure. But like, man, I just it, it seems like the ship has sailed. That's all. Yeah. I mean, there's I, I'm always going to go back to this when it comes to discussing buying the stuff. But it's not behind the scenes stuff that I don't necessarily have all the information on. Just the CAA of it all is always going to be like, that's why he might be part, still be around because all of his people are also the Knicks people at the moment. Um, there may be an OB side that for most of the season was like, yeah, this, this sucks, this lack of playing time, but we're making a playoff run. I'm in the city I grew up in. I'm in, I'm playing for the team I grew up wanting to play for. And, you know, maybe it'll, they will, we'll handle everything else in the off season. And look, Maybe Wes was like, I, I want, I want to, like, it has been confirmed uh, Wes made the pick, but at the deadline, I'm saying maybe Wes was like, we want to hold on to OB, even if we're not getting, like, like there's a, a decent deal out there to trade him. But as we just went through, they're not, they don't get to six games against the Heat if he's not on the team. They needed him in sure. that calf series. They needed him. At moments, like he did have a poor series against the Heat, but like he made a bunch of threes in game one, and we were like, all right, this is a decent fill in spot. But like, they're, they're, I'm not saying he, like, a lot went wrong throughout the playoffs. So I, I'm not blaming Obi, but he, I thought well, he, he made was, an impact that was positive in the Cavs series. If you're to justify keeping him at the trade deadline, if you're you know? a play, I, I completely agree. I, mm-hmm. and I said it on the, I remember on the trade deadline show, and I was like, you, if all you could get for him is a couple of second round picks, you don't trade him now. You don't need to trade him now because whatever you get from now is going to be available at the summertime. And by the way, when I reference like they let it get to this point, I'm not talking about they should have traded him this past trade deadline. Right. I'm talking about there was a time well before where you had to uh, pick a road between these two. Look, that's, get, that's what I was reacting to, by yeah, the way. That if th- there was a point previous, it was when you and I were saying two seasons ago after yeah. the Julius first All-NBA season, okay, trade Obi for Colin Sexton because if it's it's like you want to give him a chance to have a leash, go someplace else where the team doesn't really plan on winning right now. Little did we know that could end up being the Knicks against the Cavs two years later. Welcome home, Obi Toppin. Um, if a t- look, any team that gets to six games in the second round of the playoffs, you need everybody in your rotation to st- step up and perform. Yeah, you know, especially when you don't have the top end talent that maybe some other teams do, and and. Obi contributed um, as much as anybody because frankly no other than Jalen Brunson was nobody was was very good throughout the entire playoffs so um, all right let that took a <laughs> funny took a lot longer than I thought it was gonna be quickly um, unless there's anything else that we should get to I wanted to get through. I don't think so I think you should go without saying um, like it's not personal with Obi on either and anybody anybody's no, end no, I think no I would have loved for it to work out here. And his, his, I, I mentioned it. His good was exhilarating. And I, he's going to light up whatever gym he gets traded to. And we'll see if there was more that could have been tapped out of this well that the Knicks and Tibbs couldn't get out. And I honestly think the Knicks will, will be fine in their process without him. This isn't like, I don't think an all star is going to potentially, this isn't a, I know. And this is why I need you to, to. We need to talk to XJ about this because he thinks Laurie Markkinen is somewhere in Obi Top, and I don't see it. But I know could, I saw I saw that. I, look, I this is solely going by 
the 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 one to one comp that what Laurie Marketing was his last year, his one year in Cleveland, that that's that with more usage is what you saw in Utah. And I'm not 100% sure that's there, but not going to rule it out. We'll see what happens when he goes to his next team. I'm just wondering, like, you said, yeah, I don't, you're not sure if he's going to start next year. Like, where, where's the team that's starting Obi Toppin? Well, it's funny. Year? This might actually be a perfect transition. There's a I team see in, one. There's one team in Washington that's, that's just exactly trading everybody that might need room for a starting power forward that. You buy they, low and you you trade. You buy low and then you you see just what a lot of Obi Toppin usage can lead to. Even if it doesn't lead to a lot of wins, maybe it can lead to a lot of production. What's up, Knicks fans? Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good. And that's why Oakley is the perfect partner for us. Not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our Oakleys. And listen up, because it's officially almost summer, which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now. Check out Oakley.com to get yourself a pair today. Also, did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? Now, I know what you're thinking. GMAC, what the hell is that? Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to Oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. And now, a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor, Bird Dogs. Do you want a pair of shorts that aren't just comfortable but make you look good? Well, Bird Dogs has just what you need. Their stretch khakis are designed to fit slimmer, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. That's because they aren't like regular shorts, which are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Instead, they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khakis, but stretches. Now, you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all summer long. So I'll ask again, want to look good while being comfortable? Don't hesitate. Head to birddogs.com to check out their full catalog of shorts, pants, and so much more. You can also use the promo code POOL to receive a free Yeti-style tumbler with your first order. Again, that's birddogs.com. That's bird. B-I-R-D dogs, D-O-G-S dot com and promo code pool, P-O-O-L to receive a free Yeti style tumbler with your first order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. You want to talk about a team that should, um, <laughs> should, should give Obi Toppin a long runway. It's a team that's trying to lose a lot of games, which is the Wizards next year. Um, and uh, so they traded Kristaps Rosingas today. Um, three team. It's not official yet, but it seems like it's it's. This is what it's going to be. Uh, with uh, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, going out of Boston. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is going to go to the Clippers. Um, I, Gallinari is also exiting Boston in that trade. I I think he's going to have to go to Washington. I, I haven't 
I haven't sat down with the calculator, but Gallinari is going to also have to go out for salary purposes because Porzingis makes a lot more money than, than Brogdon. And then uh, Marcus Morris, uh, so we have three former Knicks involved in this trade, is heading from uh, hmm. the Clippers to to Washington where um, I he's an expiring contract. I I think he has some value. We'll see if um, if maybe he's their starting power forward on on opening night. Uh, but and the oh sorry, the thirtieth pick in the draft is going from the Clippers to the Wizards. So essentially, Washington is getting the la- the last pick in the first round for Kristaps Porzingis, who opted into the final year of his. It seems like he's going to opt into the final year of his contract to 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 make this feasible. Um. Yeah, that's that's an interesting trade. Obi for the thirtieth pick. Um, I, putting that aside, a couple things that are fascinating to me. Well, maybe not fascinating is a strong word, but interesting to me. Porzingis, once upon a time, not that long ago, even when he was in Dallas, was viewed as, I mean, he was viewed as the unicorn. You know, I mean, even after he came back when uh, with with the Mavs and him and Luca were putting up offensive numbers that would have been like the highest in the history of the league, like there was still some of the bloom on the rose then. And now we're sitting here and he's entering into his ninth season on his fourth team. And you just look back and you're like, it's it doesn't seem that long ago where we looked at this guy as like, oh, okay, this is going to be the cornerstone of Knicks basketball for the next 10 to 15 years. And now here he is on his fourth team in his career. And I understand the injury has to do with that and other stuff, but that part of it just is interesting to me. And I, I don't, am I like rooting for Kristaps to succeed in Boston? That's a weird sentence to say out loud. No, <laughs> you're shaking your head. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm curious to see how it looks. Um, I don't know that this like puts them over the top. I think it's a good trade. I saw Benji had a good tweet today, you know, kind of insinuating like I'm not sure this is what Boston needed, and I I see where he's coming from. At the same time, like Kristaps is good, um, and he could do a lot of things, and he's really talented with the ball. And like I did, uh, I just I did a whole newsletter on him because I thought there was a chance maybe the Knicks might kick the tires there. It turns out they didn't. Um, so yeah, there's that part of it, and then there's the valuation part of it, which is like the 30th pick in the draft, but I think that's less a Porzingis thing and honestly, even less of like a, a CBA thing and more just like anytime you have a situation where it's either a sign and trade or a guy who has the option to opt out, but could also opt in like the valuation on those in those situations seems to get a little funky because it's like Porzingis technically could have just walked and the Wizards could have got nothing. Now there's not a lot of cap space out there. Who's the team that was going to pay him? But like Washington is clearly in this teardown rebuild mode. And like, did they really want to engage in some sort of like, I don't want to call it a standoff with Porzingis, but like dare Porzingis, okay, go find your money. You know, like they got something for him. Clearly they're okay with it. Clearly they didn't think there was any like great pot of gold at the end of a different rainbow had they played this thing differently. Otherwise they would have played it differently. Um, And ultimately the market market dictates itself. Um, But yeah, that's the only other thing I wanted to, I wanted to say. Um, The, Look, this just continues to be more fallout from not from the trade from the Knicks, but from his injury, which yeah. changed the player that he was always going to be, um, or the ceiling of what player he could have been. Um, and 
you know, I thought he was outstanding last season in, in Washington. Really and the numbers were really good. This, I know how you feel about Luca, but we're now a year removed from him not being there. And like, I'm curious what he's now going to do in Boston where he's not going to have the ball as much, you know? It sounds to me like they're going to fit him into the system of penetrate and kick to him in a corner, him on the wing, um, him up top. Like he just takes all of Al Horford shots. And then the, the, it's why I, I think my bigger takeaway from this trade is like, I want to see what the complete product of the Celtics ends up being like, I think what position does he play? Well, so I think there's a spot there. There's a, a a corresponding move where they'll try to get a point guard. Cause say like the Celtics, I I'm not so sure about that. They just traded a point guard to get That's my point. I think they're now going to trade like Robert Williams for a point guard. Oh, so we disagree. Um, I, I then I, I, my read on this is like, basically the Celtics are all in on the fact that we we don't we aren't going we're we're going we have these three combo guards Derek White, Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is probably the most point guardy of those. Mm-hmm. But the point I think they're they were looking at the situation is we have three of these guys we only need two. And now to bring in another point like a true point guard like that that's the thing and that's why this Boston experiment to the extent that it is an experiment is so fascinating because they clearly believe in this like we're going to run our offense essentially through these two wings and we're going to have we're going to try to put enough ball handling around them again that's why they, I don't feel like they need a they they don't feel like they need a true point guard because the offense is going to like whoever it is at best they're going to be third on the pecking order after the the wings and now to introduce Porzingis into it a guy who's going to get the ball out now you really don't need a traditional point guard who's going to commandeer, you know, possession after possession. So I think it, to me, it's just like, who's going to start uh, Derek white or Vargas smart. You're going to have the two wings. And then you're going to, is it going to be KP and Hartford is going to be KP and Robert Williams is going to be, well, I guess it would be one of those two options. Do they trade Robert Williams? You know, I like it. That's, I don't know. I think they're going to trade one of the three bigs. Cause I think Horford makes sense for them. Well, Williams the- is gone. Right, that, that's. Been, I mean, not officially, but it, it's been reported by people who cover Boston that you're this talking essentially Grant Williams or Grant Williams. Williams. Grant, sorry, yeah, yeah, Grant yeah. Williams. Grant Williams is. This is essentially it for him. He's, he's not going to be the team. But player. those lineups where they like to go to Grant Williams at the five now will just be Porzingis or Horford. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's done. That's now going to be. You know, with the Grant Williams will no longer be there. Um, so it makes sense because they were playing Al Horford like 30, 35 minutes in the playoffs and he just, he's not that player anymore. He could probably play 20, which is why if you, you play Porzingis with in, in the right rotations, you could get away with that and play him 30 and then play some minutes with him and Horford together with a three, with the four and five, you can make it work. I just, the biggest issue with the, the, the Celtics are my, my thought for them was like, you turn the ball over entirely too much. It's been their issue the last like two playoff runs. And uh, part of that is you still don't have a true point guard out there. Part of the reason that they turned the ball over so much in the Miami series was because Malcolm Brogdon was hurt, which is probably the other side of this that I, I made a joke about today on Twitter. But like, man, if the reason that you're more likely to give up Brogdon in a trade is because of durability 
and the trade is for Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, I'm not, I'm not so sure that you can like count on him to play in your most important games of the season as well. You know, they, they, yeah, I know that that's a good point. I mean, like, is Porzingis a, a 16 game player, so to speak? We'll find out because Boston's going to be good again, and he's going to get a chance to be a 16 game player. But it's like twofold. I'm not. I'm not saying he couldn't potentially be a quote unquote. Just, yeah, I know player. you're saying. Can I'm not sure he's going to be available for the 16 games. You know, he might be a good playoff performer for the 12 or <laughs> six or whatever that he's available for. Well, look. Um, by all indications, and again, I'm leaning on Ian Begley for this because uh, he he's been pretty consistent. Maybe not outright saying it, but. You know what Ian, you know what Ian thinks, and you know what Ian is getting his rock salad. He's been unequivocal that the Knicks were not kicking the tires on Porzingis this summer, and I think a big part of that is they really just they just want to move forward with Mitch. Uh, in, now, might there be another center that could become available via trade that could 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 change that thinking, perhaps? Uh, but barring barring that, I think. Um, yeah, I didn't. I don't think they ever looked at Porzingis and was like, "That's that's the upgrade that we need." Which is interesting that Boston did, you know. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it works. Uh, Brogdon now goes to the Clippers. I don't know that that. I mean, there was some Paul George smoke floating around, which was an interesting discussion that we had on the uh, the Substack uh, chat about whether whether and what the Knicks should give give up to to get in the Paul George uh, sweepstakes. Should should one start? Um, Seems like the Clippers are just going to roll with with this team again. Perhaps I we'll see though. Yeah, and then Washington's tanking. I don't know. That there's anything else to say about that. I thought I, I thought Bill Simmons made the best point about Washington that like this should have been last year. Like you should have been four years, three years ago, whatever. But specifically last year, when you had the chance to trade Bradley Ch- Beal, you had the chance to find a home for Porzingis at this deadline. Mm-hmm. You've been all in on a tank in a year where you could have been the Blazers and just tanked from January on and potentially ended up with the three pick. And instead they settled on this middling 36, 37 win team. And it, it got them the eighth pick. And now they're getting Bradley Beal, a franchise cornerstone that a lot of fans down there love for nothing in a trade. And now you're trading Porzingis at decent value and you're getting what back? Like You mean decent value? He's at theoretically He's great. Like clearly teams want him. This could potentially be a market for him, but you're not like imagine last offseason if you decided to pull the plug then, you know, and you're, um, and you might lose, I mean, depending on who's interested in what he gets, you might lose Kyle Kuzma for nothing. Yeah. Uh, not um, on the last offseason. Imagine if you traded Porzingis at the deadline. Yeah, no, I know what you What mean. you could have gotten for. No, like, if was... you had torn this down over the last year, which, like, you don't blame their current regime. It's probably why their old regime got fired. You know? Yeah, no, none of, none of this none of this falls on um, Michael Winger and 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 Travis Lank and I forget the the guy they they brought in from uh, I think it's OKC. Um, th- this doesn't fall on them, and and their fans should be dancing in the streets. You know, it's, it's just why John. Like for all we just spent talking for forty minutes about how Obi was mismanaged, and specifically in the vacuum of that story, how like the front office slash coach slash player just like everything failed. You know this front office has gotten a lot right 
and we can point to Washington as a situation of like it going completely wrong and ending up in like the late lottery as a result and be happy with at least the direction of the team going forward. What do we always say? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like I always say it. Team building is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Winning in the NBA is hard and it's, it's always hard. And it's really hard when you don't nail any of your draft picks in a way that brings you a real star player. And by the way, Washington, they did nail two of their draft picks on two star players, John Wall and Bradley Beal. And Wall's injury, obviously, is a big part of why their why their franchise kind of turned sideways. Um, but yeah, it's it's really tough, and that's kind of why, like I feel the need a lot to not only defend Tibbs, but even though I was his biggest critic last year, because of a lot of reasons, defend Randall. Um, Like, is it perfect? No. Is it pretty? No. Is it frustrating? Yes. But like behind those two guys, this team has done pretty well over the course of a three-year sample size. And yes, to your point, the front office, have they gotten everything right? No, they haven't gotten everything right. They've got a lot right, and they've certainly got a lot more right than wrong. And um, it's big. It's another big summer for them. Last thing, do you think they're going to make? Do you think they will make a pick in this in this draft? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. I think Obi Toppin gets traded today. Today. <laughs> if he doesn't get traded, I'm not sure how they get into this draft because you know what I don't see them doing unless it's something funky with Washington where like they trade Washington back a pick that they now have some doubts as to whether it's ever going to convey, which by the way, the one thing about the Washington pick, and I thought about this again, shout out to all the, all the fine folks that uh, talk a lot on the Substack stack uh, chat. Cause it's always great conversations over there all day long. Um, <laughs> like, the Knicks pick or the Washington pick, they that will turn into two seconds. It doesn't go away. If it doesn't convert in three years when it's top eight protected, it turns into two seconds. So it's not like the pick has no value. And like I think someone brought up the idea of like, well, should the Knicks trade that pick? Forget Obi Toppin, trade that pick to get the 30th pick in the draft. And I was thinking about that. Like, well, if you're Washington. Like, what would you rather have? The 30th pick in this draft or two, at worst, two of your own second round picks? And I forget what the years are 26 and 27 or 27 and 28 or something like that. Like, I don't know. I, and the, again, Washington may stink. They may still be one of the worst teams in the league by then. So it's like, kick the can down the road. I, I don't know. Um, so maybe that's the way they get into uh, the draft. But I, I agree with you. It's most likely to me that they trade OB and that's how they get into the draft. We'll see. Yep. All right. Um, this has been fun. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll I will be live with Chris Persianen tonight at eight o'clock. Um, and we I'll, will. I'll be there. I'm Andrew mostly be there. behind the scenes, updating you all with some with, with the picks and whatnot. But we will cover the draft as if the Knicks had a pick, and John and Chris will provide analysis. We may have some surprise guests show up from the KFS faculty. Um, if they will respond to their text messages and uh, you know, we'll, we'll put on an entertaining show as we always do on draft night. 
I am excited about it. I love the NBA draft. The NBA draft is, it's not quite like the NBA's Super Bowl, but it is the only day of the year where the entire NBA is involved. Like, no matter what, you know, I know the Knicks don't have a pick, but like they're, they're involved. They're going to kick the tires on whatever they're going to kick the tires on. So it'll be fun. Uh, we'll see everybody then. Until then, take care and uh, peace out. Peace out.